Ladies world, thank you for checking me out on another episode of It's Always Personal. My name is Wood. Content, making content, creating content, however you want to look at it. Um, you know, I, I guess it's something that I do. And I mean, I'm very excited about this week's guest, the interview with this week's guest. As a hip hop fan, uh, to talk to this individual, and as a, you know, I love hip hop production and producers, and you know, making the music that the rappers spit over or rap over. So, um, getting this cat on here, me fucks is his name Uh, he's the in-house producer and co-founder of lord mob it's a record label uh, started by flea lord who is a rapper i want to say he's out of queens but flea lord was connected to uh prodigy of mob mob deep who passed away maybe two years ago now and me fuck i mean uh, flea lord put out 12 albums in 2020 and two of them were produced by exclusively or solely produced by the guest on this episode uh me fucks and um the second one really stood out to me pray for the evil was the name of the two albums pray for the evil one and pray for the evil two so you know if you like music if you like hip-hop especially East Coast, uh, harder, you know, hip hop. Check those out. Check out Flea Lord. Um, like I said, my interest was just talking about what's going on with the resurgence of New York or East Coast hip hop, and that's with the uh, the lyricist, the lyricism, as well as uh, the production. And this sound is kind of coming uh, that that's really just doing very well right now and this all stems from from what i understand rock marciano who kind of is the father of all of this stuff starting in like 2010 i want to say or 2013 somewhere in there and he just inspired all of these these people all of these different artists and producers uh and incidentally you know today benny the butcher one of the guys at the forefront one of the mcs or rappers at the forefront of the new new york sound um, Flea Lord often collaborates with Griselda's, which is a, is, a, is, a, is a record label and a group that consists of Conway the Machine, West Side Gun, those two are brothers, and then their cousin, Benny the Butcher. Benny the Butcher's latest album, Plugs I Met 2, dropped today. Um, so anyway, like I said, I, I cover a lot of ground here on It's Always Personal. Today's guest is me, folks. Check it out. Uh, some interesting stuff that came up was just how long this guy's actually been making music. It's not a long time. Um, he grew up in Russia. He was born in Kansas. Early childhood was in Kansas. Now he's based in Boston. He His nine to five was like cybersecurity. And he brings like this very, um, he's like 
sound, somewhat of like a, a, a tech geek, you know, a, a gear geek, with the, the way that he approaches making music. He samples and he uh, plays. He taught himself how to play. He incorporates uh, non-sample music as part of his production style. And then he also samples quite a bit. Hip hop is, you know, largely built on sampling. Very interesting discussion, especially with him handling uh, his roles as the uh, the producer for Lord Mob, his goals with with his music, and just like I said, this all came together very quickly for this guy who was doing something else with his life prior to becoming a producer. He really hasn't been doing it that long. Uh, he did two albums for, like I, I mentioned, uh, for Flea Lord. A couple of singles here and there for one for Conway and a joint called Draco. Um, then he's been on a couple. He's had some singles pop up on some other albums. And then he just put out Regressions, came out maybe two weeks ago, a week, and a week, week or so ago, for uh, one of the Lord Mob artists named G4Jag. He did Regressions for him as well as Progression. So I wanted to set the table for some of that. Check it out. It's a two-part interview. And then on the uh, a third part that'll be on there, and I hope that does this doesn't kill my episode with some kind of... Uh, copyright flag or something at some point probably two months from now I'll hear something I'll get some email but in the third section it's going to be an exclusive uh, a couple of exclusive beats that me fucks play for me uh, one of them features Ito who's another rapper that I got familiar with in 2020 they just be in quarantine um, you know I've been doing this maybe this is the second episode but I've been well, maybe the third but I've been talking about kind of like what I encountered during the week and making a segment out of that before I get into the interviews. And I really don't want to, you know, it's interesting, man, when you, when you create content and then you promote it on your social media and then you have coworkers you know who follow you or subscribe to you or whatever whatever there's the opportunity that people you know personally or have you know so on some level hear what you're what you're saying and what you're talking about i have nothing to hide i have nothing to hide and if people can be mature and and uh understanding I'm pretty sure that nothing I'm getting ready to say is really is is uh, any race hustling. It's not black uh, militants, militancy or militant. I'm not militant. Um, I'm not leftist or communist, socialist. I'm just I'm really growing concerned as something that I see that that won't get addressed because of how we roll in this country. So I'm, I'm putting out a disclaimer from the jump that I'm not really, I'm really not trying to offend anybody that I know or work with in case you click on this. Like I said, I saw a couple people uh, like noticed some stuff that I was putting out there. I don't know if they clicked on stuff. I don't know how, to what extent. 
But I can't not talk about what I'm getting ready to talk about because I, I, I am concerned. And we just saw it this week with this shooting in Atlanta. Uh, of the where four Asian women died and now we have this this uh what is I, I don't know what this hashtag is this campaign uh, stand with Asians or stop hate stop, I, don't, I don't even I don't know what it is I don't even know this guy's name I really didn't look all into the story I didn't and that's really not my point but we have to acknowledge that white terrorism is a thing we have to acknowledge it this is not me saying that we need to lock all white people up we need to lock white males up we need to get rid of guns don't make it any more than what i'm saying than than what than what I, my intent is um and i'm getting ready to point to a couple of examples I've talked about this website before. I've talked about this YouTube channel. I've talked about the leader of it all, Clay Travis, um, and his outkick, the coverage radio show, Fox Sports, and outkick.com, his, uh, his, his website, where he has some writers. Now, what killed me this week, or just yesterday, I saw Jeremy Lin. NBA player Lynn Sanity several years ago when he burst onto the scene Harvard graduate only Asian player or maybe American born Asian player there's ever been in the NBA something like that Um, he complained I saw a couple weeks ago where he complained about somebody in the G League the NBA's G League the developmental league Somebody called him uh, coronavirus during a game, maybe once, maybe more than once. And this bothered him. And he, you know, I think he may have take, took, maybe, maybe he went to his social media and said something about being discriminated against. He felt like he was being hated, mistreated, something, something. I don't know. Um, so this Bobby Burak, who I've talked about before, he's one of the writers on OutKick. He goes out here and puts this article out on OutKick.com. Player who called Jeremy Lin coronavirus has been identified. This is some reckless. This is this is some stuff that, in my opinion, incites white people shout out to some of the commenters on this this article because they kind of got it they kind of get it despite what bobby burak was trying to do i talked about burak several episodes ago again about the jamel uh, hill and carrie champion situation with uh, jake paul he was the same guy but in here he's pointing out that his debate the gist of what his article is about is that very likely, statistically speaking, with it being 75, 74% African-American black men in the NBA, a black person likely called Jeremy Lin coronavirus. 
And furthermore, the NBA has not disclosed who that per who that athlete was. And then Burak takes this large leap in his argument and says that if it if it if it was a white player, he would be banned for life and and, and all this other very harsh stuff, this very harsh penalty would have happened to him. And then in, in the court of public opinion, this white person would have been killed. So what I'm getting at is Burak is basically saying that like white males and white people are constantly being attacked in the end of the sentence right there. And it's crazy. It's also crazy. Cause on the other hand, I, I with some of my, some of the brothers that I know, the black man, the black male is being marginalized and attacked and he's being, uh, basically like eliminated. Funny thing though, in that, in, in both of these arguments is like, I can, I can sit and watch TV and see how black, how, how often, uh, homosexuals on TV and like regular stuff, uh, how often even the commercials, the homosexuals are black are black men. I don't see this with a lot of white dudes, which, which we have Mr. Burrack saying that you know white men white people white stuff is under attack but he comes on he he gets in this article and says um if it happened to be a white guy this could get ugly this is this is what this is supposed to be an article this is basically he's using outkick.com as his facebook page or his twitter account that's how uh deep that's how thoughtful this article is if it happened to be a white guy, this could get ugly. That player would then have to apologize for life, find a new job, delete Twitter, and suffer through a nasty New York Times piece written about them. If it was a black player, well, just move on. This is this is very weak bullshit. It's garbage as as a as a writer. It just goes to show kind of where we are with journalism in our country and 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 how this shit is, is charging folks up. So let so my argument is kind of this. Um black players have not been overlooked and, and these situations swept under the rug. There are several instances where black players said some used a gay slur, the F word. And were fined significantly. 2011, Kobe Bryant, 100K, 100, 100 bands, $100,000, 100 grand. He called a referee the F word. April 2011. Uh, 2013, Roy Hibbert said no homo after he said something about I was getting stretched out. I think he was referring to the referees, but he said he didn't help. Paul George on defense. He said something about I was getting stretched out. No homo. Didn't even say to get, didn't even say gay or the F word. Well, he said no homo. Fine, $75,000. 2011, Joaquin Noah. He said the F word to a fan who was giving him some, who was heckling him. 50K. 
fine. Amari Stoudemire, 2012. He said something about, I think he called a fan the F word on Twitter in a, in a, in a tweet, $50,000. So what in the hell is Bobby Birak talking about? What, what, what are you talking about, my dude? Like, this is this is not even... This wasn't difficult to look this up before you went out here with your big idea for your article. So then Clay Travis comes out and says, which NBA player do you think... On oh, this was on Twitter, February 26th. So this was a little while ago. Which NBA player do you think called Jeremy Lin coronavirus on the basketball court? Bonus points, points for which... SJW social justice warrior slogan he had on his jersey last year. Then uh, Clay Travis responds to himself and said, oh, "This yeah, this was also February 26th at 8:44 p.m. NBA's findings based on race of perpetrator: white guy colon banned for life, black guy it's just a little trash talk. People are are overreacting. That's not the case. I just told you what these black players were fined." for saying something about gays. Now, Clay Travis, how I've talked about him on, on my, on my uh, YouTube channel, Pay Me No Mind. Him and Bobby Burak both want the NBA to suffer and to fail at this point because of their connection. Their, they believe that the NBA is taking Chinese money by and, and trying to get money by having a a, a, a a contract to broadcast NBA games in China. So they've gone out of their way to reiterate and to uh, publicize and to make sure that everybody knows how much the NBA's the NBA's uh, ratings have dropped, how the All-Star game was a flop. They hate LeBron James for being an SJW, social justice warrior. And here he is. Like I said, Clay Travis says something about which NBA player do you think called Jeremy Lin coronavirus? It wasn't an NBA player. It was a G League player. Now, the situation with Jeremy Lin, maybe one reason why this has, the NBA has chosen to handle this in-house is because maybe they don't know how to, maybe they don't know how to deal with it. Like coronavirus isn't a, a racial slur. Clay Travis and Bobby Burak make no mention of kind of how this, how the whole connection to China, who popularized that, who put that battery in people's back. They don't, they don't even walk up to that. If you, if you see what I'm saying, um, but the, the 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 situation itself, yeah. Like, how do you how do you just go? What's the precedent? Now I know you know uh, we heard black comedians making fun of the aurora, making jokes associated with nine eleven. We heard black comedians making jokes about the Aurora, Colorado shooting. That might have been in Kings of Comedy, maybe, with Cedric the Entertainer. Like black people have, we have, we have taken some 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 liberties with some things that were very sensitive, and you know, 
done something like this even in the wire remember back that was in 2004 i think when the wire started remember the drug on there was called wmd we had soldiers lose their lives because they were sent over there in search of wmds weapons of mass destruction it never happened uh the dope boys the corner boys the hoppers in uh the wire were saying WMD when they were advertising, promoting, you know, what kind of uh, heroin they had. That was one of the brand names. So we've, you know, we've done some things with with what we do with words. And this was, this is, uh, you know, probably inappropriate. Now, was was he out there killing them? Was was Jeremy Lin killing somebody? And somebody made some reference about, you know, you was killing them like coronavirus or something. I, I I don't know. And I'm not even trying to defend it. I can see where Lynn is coming from if he was offended. I really can. Um, as far as sharing the name, I don't know. You know, you have to use some kind of discretion. Uh, again, what's on the rule books? Like, where does where does that come in into play? So, uh, Barack, uh, again, out here just stirring the pot and making it seem like black people, black men are getting some kind of uh, advantage over the white man. The white man can't go and and say nothing and, and spread any hate or make a mistake or whatever, whatever. I get it, Barack. Another thing that I encountered this week, and I'm running out of time, um... And this again, this is this just raises my eye. I mean, it, it, it makes me concerned. Again, looking at this kid in Atlanta who killed these people, this gunman. But um, I saw another video on YouTube, and it was about the whole Biden, Joe, uh, President Joe Biden, current president. He says something about, you know, if, if this vaccination stuff rollout is, is going well and, um, you know, all everybody can get these shots by May 1st or whatever. If everything goes according to plan. And he said something to the effect of maybe by the 4th of July, everybody can enjoy their families and have some kind of, you know, have a cookout. We can gradually go move back to normal American life normal hot celeb the normal way that we celebrate holidays so uh, i scroll past this video that pops up in my as a suggested or recommended video on youtube and it's it's a white guy and i get in there i, I didn't i didn't even play any of the video i went straight down to the comments and i i saw what i i normally see it was dozens, maybe even hundreds of, of white people. I, I'm not making this up. I mean, these were, these were white YouTube users. And it was all this stuff about the government can't tell me shit, basically. Like uh, comments like, hey, Joe, uh, nice try, but I'm gonna celebrate my, I'm gonna celebrate the way I want to. Just all of the anti-vaccination or anti-mask, anti-government, anti-anti 
and I'm just like, man, real seriously, what the fuck are y'all on? What are y'all, what is going on here? I could pull up some of the vi- I mean some of the comments I could pull the video up and, and, and go back to some of the comments to show you this but I just don't understand why some what's going on with with more often and it was some women on there it was some white women on there too I noticed some of this type these sentiments and some of this shit when Obama went into office and it was the whole gun shit. They're going to steal my guns. They're going to take my guns. I'm going to lose my guns. It was all that shit. Nothing happened. We had the the uh, the shootings. Sunny Hook or whatever it was. Uh, all, you know, all the shit that the dude out in um, Las Vegas. I'm going to lose my guns. We're going to lose our guns. Um... And now moving, you know, the stuff with uh, as, as what was going on with, uh, with with Trump while he was in office, the elections, the or the election accusations. This shit that was in this these comments that were down in this in this the replies in this comment section of this YouTube video lead me to believe that there could be more instances like this this guy in, in, in Atlanta, in, in Georgia. Like, what the fuck are you so mad about? And then still to be going on about the mask, to have this shit about the, the, the shit of, just like some people weren't, and that's the thing that kills me is like, you got people who didn't do, didn't pay a bit of attention in science class or in anatomy or uh biology none of this shit and now you got people running around on in social media talking about science experience you know scientific research experiments uh going in deep in depth on you know the uh this shit this these vaccinations changing your uh dna mutated like every excuse me, everybody is all is a, is such a genius on all this shit now. Dumb as fuck twenty years ago and when they were in high school, but now just a little bit of reading and grabbing some shit here and there, and now everybody knows so much about how government works, how elections work, how laws are passed, uh, how to conduct, you know, how to uh, create a vaccine. It's just weird, man. This shit is just like, why? Again, why is everybody so fucking upset? And what are you really upset about? Like, when do you step back from the shit that people are plugged into every day? Like this Burak dude. Like, that's a bullshit article, bro. Black players would never be. We just move on. We we move on. Us white men are being targeted and and singled out for our hatred. Not true, man. Not true. Biden was saying, you know, something very, in my opinion, I ain't no big Biden fan, but he was saying something very simple that, hey, if if things go in the right direction, if the if the uh, new cases and all this shit continues to fall, you know, maybe as a government, maybe as being in charge of the country governors uh mayors and, and and everybody that that has been elected into shit to govern 
maybe we can all feel better about saying that you can go back, you can go about your lives in a normal manner. So what he was saying, he wasn't saying that government is going to issue a new law or, or whatever, okaying or making it illegal or whatever that you can't have. You can have people at your house today. We just went through the summer. People had 4th of July parties this month. The people across the street had more than 30 people at their house. But this dude on YouTube makes this video about I'm going to do what I want to do. You can do that now, bro. You can, you can have 40 people over your house this weekend. You don't have to wait till the, the 4th of July. So, like I said, man, I, I don't know what's going on in this country. I don't know when people are going to step back and 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 uh, question some of this shit that they that they're like being programmed by, and find a way to enjoy life on some levels. I mean, shit, you misconstrue that statement. And now it's all, it's January 6th all over again. You probably saw the lady that said that Joe Biden is, is uh, had the video that Joe Biden is actually living on a, a Hollywood movie set. He's not really in the White House in D.C. Bugging me out, man. Um, Let me get to this interview, man. Me fucks. Let me welcome to uh, Pay Me No Mind producer, me fucks. So like I said, man, I appreciate your time today. Um, You know, I've been checking out your catalog over uh, 2020, mainly through uh, Flea Lord's music. And uh, I I have to admit, I mean, I've always been the type of music fan or hip-hop fan who reads you know the uh the inserts or the the jackets to you know the liner notes i guess they call it uh so i've always been interested in who puts this stuff together beyond just the uh you know the the, the rapper that we hear so uh like i said when i tapped into uh flea lord in early 2020 uh and started seeing your name and then kind of uh getting a, a an understanding of what your sound was I was like, let me check in the dude. And then you did a um you did a live stream with the cat that I that does reviews on here. And uh, I think his I know his first name is Marcus. Uh yeah, Marcus Walker. Walker, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was dope. And um anyway, man, I just wanted to uh chop it up with you, man, and talk about your music. And right on time, we're getting some of the, the early tech technical difficulties. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was just about to say. Uh, one thing that I wanted to know, man, what is behind the name Me Fucks? So there's nothing really behind it. It just it, it was a combination of like two words, and I didn't really think of it, think about it at the time, and then it just stuck, and I just stayed with it for many, many years. Sorry if you hear that in the background. There's construction going on, so no problem. 
you care to share the two words or are you gonna leave that a secret and just go with me fuck a secret it's just it just was two words that i combined together that made me fucks and then i was just like all right fuck it like i'll stick with it okay um honestly I, that's why i asked you before we went on if it were if you were from new england because i thought on your instagram account i thought i saw you were in maine or something so i thought me was like short for me for maine i think that might be the abbreviation for maine and then i thought fucks was something like i fucks with you or we fuck i don't know i was just trying to figure it out (laughs) yeah it's a mystery it's gonna stay a mystery no problem no problem so with that said you know you put me on to the fact that you're from kansas so um how how did you make it or are you still based in kansas or are you now on the, the east coast east coast i live in boston Okay, that's what it was. It was Boston that I saw. Obviously, ME isn't short for Massachusetts. I think Massachusetts is MA. But anyway, that's one thing, you know, as an old school hip hop fan, we don't really always dig into artists and producers' names like we used to. You know, guys used to spell out their names all the time. So I was just wondering, man. No, no, it's, 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 it's something that a lot of people ask me. It's just not a very interesting story. <laughs> so I don't tell it. You said the name itself is more interesting than the origin. Yeah, yeah. Me fucks with me fucks with me fucks. Like we fucks with me fucks, or I fucks with me fucks. Gotcha, like, gotcha. You know, like all those things were kind of like a fun play on, on play on the name. But uh, I'm gonna come out with some merch. I think <laughs> we fucks with me fucks or something. I, I like it. I like it. So how'd you how'd you make it over from Kansas then, man? Uh, so I bounced all over the place. I lived in Detroit for a while. I lived in uh, Virginia for a while. Um, you know, where else? I guess that's it. I guess that's not that many places. Um, but yeah, I bounced all over the place, mostly for jobs, and uh, ended up settling in Boston. So now, does your uh, your start with? Uh beat making or production did that start in kansas Is that where that uh, originated in russia. so i grew up in russia moscow russia um and i started making music when i was 16 uh making beats like using fruity loops back in the day um you know stuff like that and then it just evolved more and more um into you know progressing into the software side and the hardware side of sound engineering uh beat production um so the DAW I use now is Logic Pro um that's how I make basically everything that I do now um and just you know uh exploring like all the software that's available for sound engineering is like kind of what I'm focusing doing now but it all started just from a love of hip hop. That's that's basically where it came from. Like you know, m- my mom used to listen to a lot of funk music and soul music, and that just rubbed off on me. So like a lot of my sampling and a lot of the non-sampling stuff I do is usually pretty pretty soul reminiscent, like or you know jazzy, um, mostly because of my upbringing, just what I listened to as a kid. Yeah, I kind of got the jazzy stuff in the work with uh, G4 Jag, and then more of the soulful influences seem to pop up with the the pray for the e- pray for the evil uh, projects, especially the second yeah. one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, how did you get to Russia? Born born in the states, and then grew up in Russia. How did how did that happen? 
So I went to all, so I went to basically parts of middle school and all of high school in Russia. Uh, my dad basically just worked over there and just relocated and lived there until I was done with, with high school and then came back to the States in 2004. So anything about life in Russia that us Americans might either be programmed to think differently or just things that we wouldn't understand. I mean, it, it, the, the relationships between the two countries is still, you know, especially with the the, the previous election before this this most recent one is still kind of adversarial and whatnot. But is there anything that we wouldn't know because we live here and have been told to think certain things about Russia? But how was that experience for you? I mean, it was a pretty amazing experience. I mean, it was pretty like lawless in the fact that like you could you could pretty much do what you wanted. And if you wanted to like if you did get in trouble with the police, you could pay them off like pretty easily. Um <laughs> So it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun to be, you know, in middle school and basically like have the world like, you know, completely available to you. Plus, like it's a huge city and just, you know, hanging out in the city was fun. And um, what part of Russia? Moscow. Okay, okay, right there in the thick of it. Yeah. Yep. I lived in the garden ring or on the garden ring, which is like a big circle that goes all the way around Moscow, um, like the guard or the red square, basically. So, okay. So how did you, uh, keep in touch with, uh, what was going on musically then? How did you tap into hip hop and, and the funk and jazz in, uh, influences? Well, funk and jazz is from my childhood. Like basically what my mom used to listen to. Um, I got into hip hop basically, from probably like Big L and Mob Deep and Gangstar, like those were those were my primary like groups that I listened to, uh, not groups but artists and groups. Uh, so DJ Premier was a huge influence on me as a beat maker. Havoc was a, like a huge influence on me as a beat maker. Um, you know, and that's that's pretty much about it. That's that's you know, there's no real fancy story behind it other than I just loved. I love the sound and I love making hip hop and wanted to, to give back to the culture. So I decided to pick it up again. Like I quit for a really long time, um, focused on work, you know, my day job stuff. Um, and my friend Trill, uh, from Trillmatic premium goods, like got me back into it. I was listening to, to like one song he was jamming and I was like, man, I can make a beat like that in five minutes. Like give me, <laughs> give me five minutes. Um, and I ended up making a beat. I don't know if it was in five minutes or not, but that beat ended up being the Draco beat used uh, for Conway the Machine uh-huh. song Draco. Okay. Um, so that kind of got me back into it. And ever since then, I've been producing and uh, met up with Flea at a Conway concert backstage. I was like, yo, like, you know, Flea's, Flea's pretty dope. Like, you know, Rock America had just come out, like, with Ito, like, and it was popping. I was like, yo, let's do a song. And I was so impressed by the first song that he did, which was Steppers okay. uh, with Conway. I was like, damn, I want to do an album with this guy. Like, I got it, like, you know, we got to make an album for sure. And that's where Pray for the Evil basically came from. And then uh, we just clicked and hit it off and then, you know, started building new ventures together and eventually ended up co-founding Lord Mob together, Um, you know, which is a record label that focuses on, you know, boom bap, um, grimy music, you know, street music. Um, 
we got a slew of like artists and you know great producers and you know we're just trying to build a movement and trying to build a platform for good artists um so yeah i've been talking a lot i'll let you Uh, i'm just listening um but one thing i did want to go back to your beginnings you mentioned a couple of names usually we ask you know rappers you know who's your your top five mcs and whatnot who would you look at as your top five producers beat makers oh man i mean dj premier is probably number one that's my number one i mean yeah dj premier is just just now come on like legend uh buck wild would be in there okay um Man, I'm gonna miss people. Other good producers um, that I'd put in my top five. And it's crazy because I'm drawing a blank at the minute. My yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Like I, I know Buck Wild and and I mean and, we get uh, Pete Rock, Extra Large Professor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm trying to think of like the kind of stuff that you know i really jammed as a kid like in the beats that like really motivated me to like you know sit down and go wow like i make a beat um i used to listen to a lot of like souls of mischief okay and i forget who produced for souls of mischief but like i think i think they someone on the crew like made the beats or it was ap or, or somebody uh or opio or i forget his name a plus uh yeah, A plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I used to listen to a lot of like hieroglyphics and shit. Like um, that's why I'm always wearing like the hiero mask, and a lot of the videos just represent the hieroglyphics. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't name five, but I can tell you, Buck Wild and, and DJ Premier are definitely in up there. That's for sure. Gotcha. Um, right now, like the current group of. Uh guys who are dominating everything who who are you listening to uh right now or, or enjoying what they're doing with the culture right now i mean i listen primarily to lord mob artists like i'm fortunate enough to have you know some of the rappers that i love to listen to signed you know to the to, to the label that i'm working with flea on um so that's pretty much what i've been listening to lately and i try not to listen to too much stuff because i don't want to be influenced or like you know make some shit that's like you know close to other stuff like i like to keep a a clean palette when it comes to music um so i listen to a lot of techno music i listen to a lot of like you know electronic music um but from a hip-hop perspective like um yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one too. I mean, obviously, I jam like you know Griselda stuff. Like okay. you know, I'd listen to like Trust stuff. Uh, you know, I keep my ears open for talent, and like you know, those guys are all talented. Um, but uh, mostly been like focused on new artists, finding new artists. Okay, so um, so kind of like the beginning of you finding your style. Uh, can you walk us through that? I, I had a uh, Nicholas Craven on. And, um, you know, he kind of had a similar background as what you, he didn't have. You know, he didn't grow up in Russia. But um, just like you said, how old were you when you figured when you made that accepted that challenge about I can make that same kind of beat? Um, yeah. How'd you get started in it? Yeah, I was about 16. And I started off like with like Fruity Loops, which I like I have no hate against Fruity Loops. But like, you know, that's just, you know, what I started on and got used to 
from the get-go and started making beats to rap to and I, I i used to flow like you know i used to be like you know into writing lyrics and like you know making my own little songs here and there um so basically beat making came out of a necessity of like you know lack of beats i didn't have anything to rap over so i was like all right i'm just gonna start making them uh, and then I decided that I liked that way more and I was way better at it than, you know, I was <laughs> on the ladder. So, um, yeah, I just stuck with it. Now you sample and you play, don't you? Yeah, I make, I make some sample free beats. Um, I'm starting to make more and more sample free beats, but I do still sample occasionally. Yeah. Um, but it depends. Like there's criteria and there's things that like, you know i have to meet before like i sample something completely um yeah, I tr- at least i try to okay like for example like one of the one of the things i did recently was deconstructed a song using um isotope is a company that makes music plugins but there's an isotope plugin called rx which allows you to basically disassemble a song and basically pull out the bass line, pull out like the instruments, pull out the vocals. Um, and I made a beat, you know, uh, with Soundlord a couple days ago where we basically tore apart a song and reconstructed it and like built a beat out of it. So I'm doing a lot of like experimental stuff with, with software. Like I'm in the process of building a recording studio here. So, you know, I'm just trying to level up. Hear you. Now, did you, you mentioned your day job. I don't know if you want to get into whatever that was or not, but did any of that lend itself to getting involved, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, building a record label or, like you said, approaching uh, production with all of this software influence or usage and whatnot? Was there any tie-in from what you used to do to what you're doing now? Um, I would say music got me into what my job is. So my job is I'm a chief security officer uh, for a company in Boston. And uh, basically, I deal with cybersecurity. So anything cybersecurity related or compliance related, that's what I deal with. Okay. So I should have been. Uh... So like, I you know, I'm a software, I'm a software engineer too. So like, you know, writing software and building applications is like you know another hobby of mine. So how does that relationship work, man? I mean, coming from that type of uh, you know job and having those types of co-workers and being in that world you know making money and earning a living having that as a profession and then when you start to working with some of the different uh rappers and what their backgrounds are how does that work out for you and kind of adjusting to the different types of uh personalities and, and and whatnot um i mean for the most part like you know flea handles most of the interactions with like you know the different artists like i just try to sonically make like beats that that fit their vocals um but yeah for the most part it's good it's all good man i've never had like a bad interaction i love hanging out with everybody that's involved in lord mob like you know i invite them all over to come record at my studio um you know i was in cape cod like on provincetown not too long ago and i was inviting you know board mob members to come out and record with me um i really like to be there for the recording process you know just you know usually just because you know it's fun it's fun to see someone record live to your beat so um i usually tend to like to do that so gotcha 
Um, are you able to do a? Are, are you able to, to to do a lot of that? Because there's a difference we all know in in producing and beat making, and I, and I'm asking because uh, in talking to uh, Nicholas Craven on here a couple months ago, a month and a half ago, uh, he basically I thought it was going to be more of this collaborative effort with him and Ransom because I thought they had a dope 2020. And uh, he was just like, man, I just sent him the beats and he did whatever he did with them. And I was like, it just seemed, I understand that Ransom produces a little bit on his own, so he's able to do that. But I just thought it was, uh, the way that the, the, the project, the finished results sounded so, like there was so much chemistry there. And then, it, and then to hear that it wasn't all that much collaboration behind the scenes just kind of shocked me a little bit. Yeah, I collaborate pretty heavily with the artists that I work with like G4 when we did regressions I don't know if you've heard regressions yet but yeah like we spent like the whole time together when we were making that album um, and you know when I work with Flea on his albums I make all the beats custom for Flea for his voice um, which sits mid-range and you know G4 has got like a deep voice so he's more of a lower lower range like so it's like you have to take those into consideration when you're making beats for like different voices. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm cool either way. Like I'm cool with beat packs or I'm cool with making beats like custom per per vocalist. But I don't I don't think it matters. A good beat is a good beat. So now was the We All Fucks project was that something that was out there prior to you getting involved with Flea or where does that come into? The yeah, picture? yeah, that's like that's something I just put up for fun. Like, okay. Just that's just like some music that I I make you know when I'm not doing hip hop so okay I just was wondering you know like you said you you started the relationship with Flea at the, at an event and whatnot um yeah. I just want had you did you have a lot of stuff in the can at that point to put it in front of him or you just started from there basically just started from there <laughs> that's just that's that just it's kind of crazy how uh, things can just take off and start nowadays versus you know it seemed like previously there had to be so much sweat equity and and time spent doing stuff and now we just you just get an idea and you figure it out and and make it work 100% which I like that Um, this this next question man is not really trying to be funny I know where we are right now uh, depending on what you tap into and what you know where people spend their time um I think hip hop is kind of all inclusive. I know there's been some, uh, you know, throughout the years, there's been different discussions and narratives on on somebody like a um, an Eminem, you know, a, a white MC, and a you know, and, a, and, a, and what's considered a black genre and all of that. I'm just wondering, um, what's your thoughts on kind of this? Uh, what I'm seeing, you know, several non-black producers right now really driving. The culture right now and doing some phenomenal stuff man i just wonder what's your thoughts on uh kind of the, the, the contribution of you know white non or non-black producers to the to the genre yeah i mean first of all like i just want to say like i agree that, you know like any any white mc or white producer is definitely a guest in the house of hip-hop and like that's something that we just need to recognize um uh, and not take for granted granted uh so you know that's first and foremost that's my opinion on that um being being white in hip-hop just makes me work that much harder like i have that much more to prove like there's much there's so much that i need to give back 
to contribute to the culture. Like, you know, that's what I focus on and that's what I think about. So, you know, I just try to stay motivated and, and give back as much as I can. Um, and hopefully, you know, with Lord Mob, we can leave a legacy behind that, you know, will continue to keep the culture alive for as long as we're alive and hopefully longer. Do you think there's a distinct uh, or a, a difference in kind of the uh, the acceptance as a producer versus the MC or, you know, because I, I, I made a video on here a while ago now about why Eminem never really took off for me in some respects although i deeply uh credit him or uh, you know credit him uh, put him at the top of uh lyricists and and rappers and his delivery all of that type of stuff but i had some specific reasons of why his music didn't connect with me on a on a deeper level based on subject matter those, those are kind of different things it seems like maybe musically because we wouldn't, we're not hearing your thoughts per se, you know, and your, your, there's no subject matter to take in. It seems like maybe we can just respect you guys on a different level. Yeah, like I said, I grew up listening to Gangstar, so I mean, everything, everything that I make is basically based off of that. Like as far as like you know where the bar is set. Um, I don't. I'm notorious for not liking white MCs. Like I'm just not a fan of usually the cadence and like usually the voice but there's there's exceptions to that for sure like like is a really good mc um there's really good white rappers out there there's there's no question about that it's just the you know there's it's just not my preference like it's not my thing really um do i think eminem is good yeah like lyrically like eminem is really good like the ringer you know where he basically was you know doing more battle rap style stuff like i'm not into the mainstream stuff but like the ringer the song with the ringer was dope like you know i thought that that was you know a nice track um most of the beats i'm not a fan of um but that's just me that's a personal thing like you know i'm more more 90s style hip-hop than i am anything else yeah, and I think that's kind of the reception that I got on my video. Like I said, I really wasn't trying to clown Eminem or or take away from him in any kind of way. I was I was really trying to share why I think his what you just tapped hit on that why some of his music, you know, he might not be uh regarded as highly by black fans just because like you said, I I didn't really care for I actually I gained more respect for him when I actually dug into an album and found and 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 and, and found some of his album joints, the video stuff that they they had him doing, and I'm assuming Dre, you know, led him to do. I thought that was a mistake for me. Now the the, uh, the one joint that was on the tunnel, if I get locked up tonight or something, that was one of my more you know one of uh, a cut that I really connected with him more on because it was more straightforward rapping but it seemed like when he was on that stuff for the singles and the videos that just didn't do a whole lot for me doesn't do a whole lot for me either man like another oh so one good white mc that i can think of is aesop rock i don't know like yeah obviously definitely probably familiar with aesop rock but like i don't know just like i i gangstar is like set the bar for me so it's like you know if it isn't that kind of content or that kind of message or that kind of delivery like you know 
I think Guru said it best. It's mostly the voice, right? Like, right. Um, it's mostly the voice that that dictates whether a song is going to be good or bad. Like, you know, you can only do so much from a sound engineering standpoint and a beat pro- production standpoint. Like, the voice has to be right. Gotcha. And unfortunately, like you know, just I don't know, I don't know what it is. But white rappers don't have voices that I I think fit well. Like. You know, I don't know. It just sounds, it doesn't sound good. It's just a personal preference. Of them are bad. It's just, you know, the voice is just completely different. Yeah, and it was kind of crazy how, you know, some of the guys over the next five years, maybe some of the white guys who came into the game, they all kind of emulated Eminem's sound a little bit. And it was like, how are y'all doing this? Like, that was a little weird to me. But I'm not going, you know, not again, not even trying to be funny, man. I was a huge Search fan. I thought Search had a lot of go. And um, I also, I liked the uniqueness of, um, and I liked his name, Prime Minister Pete Nice. I, I like dude. But um, yeah. like I said, I just, in, in seeing, you know, an alchemist, Nicholas Craven, yourself, it's just like, damn, these dudes are coming into the game and doing a lot of stuff that I'm, that's really, that I really rock with. You know, and based on what you guys were focusing on, are, are focusing on for your sound, I, I think is dope. So, uh, moving yeah, on. So, how would you, um, you know, how would you kind of describe your sound? And I mean, you, you mentioned uh, some sampling, also playing. Then you, you know, we had the uh, We All Fucks project out there, which was you doing your own thing. But um, how would you categorize your sound? Damn, I don't know. It's it's so crazy because I can I make such like drastically different stuff all the time. I'm like, like, you know, one day I'll make like something grimy. The next day I'll make something uplifting. Like I'll be into violins for like a week. Like you know, it it really depends. And like I started making like trap style music recently, um, <laughs> so. I kind of went from like 90s style BPMs, uh, you know, like 80 to 70, uh, you know, like to 120 now to like 140 and 130. Um, just making beats at like different BPMs, seeing what I can do. But I don't really think I have like a sound yet. I think I'm too young, like as a producer, to like have a definitive sound yet. Well, I guess uh, I guess looking at that part of it right there, how long I guess have you like really been in the beat making pr- production role? How how long would you say you've, you've really been doing it? Yeah, so like doing it, doing it, maybe about a year. Okay, okay, yeah, I'd yeah. agree then. I just think um, in listening to your projects, and I'm gonna get into a couple questions here in just a second on that, but I, I just think what you're bringing to the sound um it, you just hit on all of it it's a little bit of trap it's it's kind of universal it's, it's maybe not bound to any regional sound but i you know but it's the lot i mean the, the 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 instrumentation that you incorporate and then the sampling it's it's just this different uh brighter vibe but then you still can mix in some of the darker elements too and i, I just like you know i just like what it all how it all comes together for you yeah appreciate that um actually this question is great for you since based on what you were just telling me about that isotope thing but any major changes in and i know you just said you've only been doing this a year or so but um any major changes in i guess the technology 
you know side of of of, of producing that uh, you've really taken a liking to or has been really helpful in where you're trying to go with your sound? Yeah, like, I mean, sound engineering is basically what I'm focusing on right now. So, like, how can I basically produce better quality music and master the music better uh, or mix it better, I should say, uh, before the mastering process? So a lot of the stuff I'm focused on right now is about how to get a cleaner sound, a clearer sound, uh, consistent sound, um, and just learning how to do that myself. And that's what I was just touching on, uh, and, and listening to a lot of Griselda stuff. Uh, it was kind of darker and, and maybe dirtier sounding that time, grimier sounding. And that's what I'm saying when I'm listening to some of your stuff. It's still getting this hard, like street vibe to it, but it's a really it's a brighter sound to it in a way that it just stands out. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Like, yeah, I tried it. So, like, one of my rules of thumb, like, is if a beat, if I can't listen to a beat by itself, like, it, it's it's no good. Like, I trash it. So, it's got to be able to stand on its own two feet and be, you know, I should be able to sit and listen to it and be able to jam to it without vocals. And when I get to that point, like, a beat's created. Gotcha. And I did just want to call, I meant to mention some of these names, some of the, just the non-black producers out there that I, I'm, I'm just really digging into what they're doing right now. But uh, definitely Alchemist, uh, Storch is a name, you know, from years ago that did some great stuff. Uh, Marco Polo is a guy that I like. Uh, yep. Superior, I, I'm assuming that that's a white cat from Europe. I, I, I haven't seen a picture of him but I know I, he, he hit me up after I reviewed a project of his, but I really like his sound. It's kind of similar to yours in a way. Uh, Muggs is a guy that's been out there for a long time. Uh, yeah, shout out to DJ Muggs, yep. Yeah, so I just, like I said, uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm listening to, I look on the, you know, I look at who produced it, and it's one of those five or six names, and I'm like, man, what's going on right here? Um, you said you were Kansas, man. Any any connection whatsoever to this? What's his name? Um, the conductor, conductor Williams or something? Nah, nah. I've never heard of conductor. Like I like seeing him on that project was the first time that I really like got introduced to his music. So I, nah, I don't know nothing about him. Okay, I, I think he's from Kansas as well. I don't know what part, but I just started following him on um, Instagram after he popped up on a couple of Griselda projects with some decent fire. records. Yeah, fire. Yeah, I thought, and he brings a pretty unique. The way he's chopping up his samples and stuff is, is pretty intriguing as well. Um, let me jump into part two. I'm gonna stop this first recording because I put a little break in here. Yep. All right, and back with uh, producer Mefux from Lord Mob. Uh, so that was one question that I, I did have down. Uh, I was kind of putting two and two together, just looking at you guys as you go along. You're like yep. officially uh, Lord Mob in-house producer at this point, or you said co-founded. Kind of what is your, your role with uh, Lord Mob? Yeah, so, I mean, basically I just deal with production. Like, I am, I'm a co-founder with Lee and H., um, but, uh, you know, I just focus solely on, like, production. That's that's where, like, my bread and butter is, and that's what I'm good at. 
part of running a company and part of like running a startup is knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And, you know, basically deciding, you know, where you want to put your focus and where you want to pick your battles. Um, so that's just, you know, that's, that's my primary focus and care is just the production. Um, I want to make sure that like every artist assigned to Lord mob has a good selection of beats. You know, we're trying to move to be sample free. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are in flux and in motion. Well, you could still sample, but like, you got to be careful and it's got to be transformative and it's got to be, you know, before 1920s, like, you know, anything before the 1920s, you can basically sample, you know, without issue. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of good shit comes from the seventies, right? Seventies and eighties. Um, but you gotta be transformative. So like if you're sampling, you gotta basically transform that sample to something new, um, which is something I've struggled on too. So like, you know, like that, that's something that's like been a hurdle for me to jump over going from sampling into sample free music is like, you know, I'm so used to depending on a structure or score um, and then adding bass or like adding drums to it versus, you know, focusing on music theory and like the actual progression of the song. So um, I don't know. I'm just trying to switch it up and try new things. Now, is that, is that more beneficial? I always thought the South had a bit of an edge over the, the East because it seemed the South did use some sampling early on, but it seemed like they a lot of the producers were playing a lot more of the music. So I just, in being ignorant in how it all works, I just thought with them not relying on samples as much, it was more, it was more, the music was pro- more profitable. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, if you don't have to give away royalties, like on a song, like that's that's phenomenal. So, like, that's where you want to be from a business perspective. But from a music perspective, like, you know, it's part of hip hop. Like, right, know, right. It's, it's just that's just what it is. Like, it's part of part of the culture. Like, you know, and it sounds great, and it's like you know the beats sound amazing. Like, finding you know digging through the crates and finding a really rare sample and flipping it and making it into a beat is a phenomenal experience right like you know i wish more people could experience that because it's there's a lot of joy that comes from taking that and making something out of it uh but at the same time you got to pay homage to the people that you're sampling and show support and you know the best thing to do if you're doing sampling is to reach out and try to get licensing fees um, or pay a licensing fee like so like you know do the right thing like you know pay homage to the people that we sample is that a challenge for you uh being you know like you said in handling the production uh role and duties of a producer um is it way more challenging or even time consuming maybe to still you know to go sample free but still make the kind of tracks that really drive the, the, the style of music that you guys are making it, it seems difficult it is difficult yeah like that's why like so much music theory comes into play because if you want to try to make really good sample free music you got to know what you're doing like <laughs> you, got, you got to really know what you're doing um and i'm working on that that's like basically like what i'm working on day and night is you know getting better at at building my own um uh, samples if you will yeah now so what do you what do you play or did you take music lessons back in the day you self-taught or you know what yeah and then what instruments do you play 
Uh, so I basically just play everything on a keyboard. Um, so all the synthesizers that I use, I play on the keyboard. Um, yeah, it's all it's all digital. Okay, and see that in itself. I mean, every, we used to write everything off that 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 was keyboard play. You know, in an early 90s hey you just kind of wrote that stuff off like we don't even listen to that we don't even want that but like i said now i'm searching to see where something was sampled from it's a couple different websites you can go to and i i'm hearing some really dope projects or dope records and then there's no sample and i'm like well how the hell did they make this so like i said man right now i just think production is uh it's just having this resurgence of, you know, of importance and, um, you know, really driving the, the, the music. And, um, it, it just seemed like for a while it was, it was so, uh, MC driven. And, and, and I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm just glad to see what you guys are doing. Cause I've always, like I said, I, back in the eighties and nineties, I was always more, and, and it, it happened probably from a, um, I don't know if it was from KRS-One's By All Means Necessary. I love the production on there. But I know the first time that I saw the video for uh, So What You Saying by EPMD. Like, from that moment forward, production just became such a... It, it, it was like a, 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 a... Just a big focus for me, moving from that song on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you kind of hit on this already, man, but... Pray for Pray for the Evil comes out, I believe, the end of February. February 28th, I think, was the release date on that. Yeah, something, something around there. You come back with part two with the sequel in um at the end of August, also on the 28th, according to uh, genius.com. Um, what drives this the relationship between you and Flea to where that just sounds like an official album for it? It, it, it almost sounds gangstarish with me with the the connection between you two I, I don't get that from the uh, and he worked with all of these different producers in 2020 yeah. but yeah. you guys is, had just had this different sound that was that was on, on the same page just differently yeah I mean I I think we both basically pushed each other to like you know make the best stuff that we could make um, you know that's basically what it comes down to is like you know I took up the challenge and was like, you know, I need to make some killer beats, you know, for his vocals. And I think at the same time, he was like, all right, like, you know, me fucks is stepping it up. Like, let me step it up lyrically. And, you know, just everything was elevated. Like, you know, uh, yeah, just like everything from the rhyme style to like, you know, the beats, like everything was just elevated from there. And it's, and it's continuing to elevate. Like we, are taking mastering and mixing very, very seriously now. Like before, you know, we would mix and master, but beats should always have stems, you know, like every beat that gets mixed and mastered, you, there should be stems for it. And stems are basically just the tracks that, you know, like the, the kicks or the snares okay. or the hi-hats or whatever, individual tracks, like those should all be available for mixing and mastering. Okay. So, that's one thing I'm focusing on as an artist right now is making sure that I maintain those stems and keep them around for the mixing and mastering portion of, of the process. Do you think he's getting credit um, that Flea Lord is getting credit for the type of artist that he is or how innovative he is or just his work ethic? Uh, we associate or we associate 
you know, the top guys with record sales, videos, and all of that type of stuff. But um, I just, like I said, I tapped into Flea maybe in March. Hadn't heard of him prior to that. Uh, and then I just started seeing, you know, all of these albums coming out. But yeah. I didn't know any, and I'm here in Ohio. I didn't, I don't know of anybody else that even recognizes Flea. Uh, but I'm like, and I, I don't have anybody that I can really tell him to that's gonna consider him on the level that I consider him at. Yeah, I mean, Flea is just phenomenal lyricism and and rapper, in my opinion. Like, you know, he just has a great cadence on beats, man. Like, he just makes the beats. He's a, he's voice is an instrument, like you know, and you got to basically craft the beat to suit the instrument properly. Um, I think Flea is is respected because of his work ethic i mean the guy is just so dedicated to music like and you know not just quantity but quality too right so um and you see that in the projects he works on and you see that in the in the, in the producers he works with and that's why he's slowing down and like you know taking time like this year to do things a little bit differently and more experimental um and we're going to be doing another Pray for the Evil trilogy this year, too. So, like, we're going to wrap up that chapter. Um, I think just his consistency is what makes him a good artist. Is he kind of unique in uh, his attention to detail in the beat selection area? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. And I hear he gives, you know, he gives all of the producers credit in a lot of his verses. We don't get that from a lot of rappers. No, no. Fleet cares about the producers. Like, he he really cares about the producers he works with like and he shows them a lot of love and he doesn't have to but he does and uh, I appreciate that as a producer because a lot of folks like you said don't do that like you know it's a very old school thing to do to say this is produced by X this is produced by Y uh, once again I think that's part of the culture and it should remain that way but like you know whatever like if, if people want to do tapes with different producers and mix it up like that's cool but like you know i like the idea of one producer and one artist right like i like i like those types of combinations um i don't like mixed bags agreed and, and the thing is it's not a generic like name drop or you know something like he actually in each producer that he works with he speaks on something on a skill or uh, an aspect of their beat making that's specific to them. Yeah. It just that lets me that let me know, know it was an authentic, you know, uh, homage or, or sign of uh, appreciation. Yeah, hundred percent. What was the um? What was the difference in um? You know, I thought "Pray for the Evil" one was was really dope, uh, yeah. and then two. It was. It just seemed like a lot of growth to me, you know, from one to two, and I, yeah, one to, two was just. It, it 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 was awesome to me. It was phenomenal. But Thank you. What was going on with you and what you were trying to do there, you know, as the uh, the the lone producer? So, the first like pray for the evil was really tough. Like you know, I sent beats back and forth to Flea, and like Flea would be like, "Nah, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling that." <laughs> It took, it took me a long time to really like get Flea's style down to where you know he was accepting beats that I was sending him um, so Pray for the Evil 1 was like my learning experience that was me like you know hitting the ground running and then when Pray for the Evil 2 came along I was like alright I got this like I know what sound he likes like I know 
the vibe that he's looking for. So this is going to be so easy. And it turned out to just be really a lot easier and it came organically, which is great because, you know, you can tell on the sound that like, you know, it wasn't forced. It was just, you know, an organic thing that just came together. So was there any discussion beforehand, like on the direction of, uh, of either project? Or- oh yeah. Yeah. Flea, Flea's like always definitely like, you know, involved in like the entire album process. Um, you know, he, he executive produces, so he figures out the track orders. Like he, he does all of that. Like, you know, as an artist, um, I just make the beats. So like, I let him do deal with the sonic arrangement and like all of that. Between either one of them, was there a uh, was there a beat that you sent to him that you couldn't wait to get the feedback on because you you felt like you nailed it? There's a beat that I sent him yesterday that I that I felt like that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe I can play that towards the end of the podcast. But okay, uh, um, but yeah, like on those projects, there were definitely a few beats that I was like, yeah, he's gonna feel this one like for sure, like you know, hopefully. And sure enough, yeah, he did. So, got you. Um, I don't know, man. What's the what's the favorite song that you uh, that you guys put on those first those first two projects? Is there is there a favorite or a, a few? Probably favorites? Ice Water with Rock Marciano. Like, I got, I got yeah, that one written like down. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that one, man. Um, call the police Call the police uh, Don't call the police Is is a favorite cook up oh. gun line. Um, it's crazy that you mentioned Steppers. That's the first track that you did. That's the first track that y'all did together. Yep. So obviously, with you having you know a Conway on there, and I that was one of the uh, that was really a standout verse for me for Conway. Just the, the mention of the, the the Brian Shaw Shack jersey numbers and the, whatever you would sell dope whatever that I you know I don't know all the details of that I I, I know what he was saying though <laughs> yep. but but then the you know the, the whole coming home uh Zion size uh that it just seemed like that verse grabbed a, a garnered a lot of attention just on how sharp uh you know he was on there uh was there yeah. any feedback to you or a pickup uh, people tapping in more to uh the guy who produced the track and me fucks Oh yeah, like every every time I work with Conway or I work with Flea, like you know, I get a lot of people that reach out and say like you know really kind stuff about the music. And uh, every person that I've worked with with Flea, you know, from Trey the Truth to Westside Gun to you know Evidence, like you know all these produce all these people that I've gotten to work with, like you know it's been a legendary experience. And like you know I appreciate Flea for making that happen. So. Um, yeah it's just it's been it's been it's been a crazy year any requests you know to to submit you know tracks to these people or anything or are you holding off on that because of what you guys are trying to do with lord mob yeah i'm busy with what we're doing with lord mob right now so i'm really focused on like producing music for lord mob artists uh that's that's kind of like my primary focus right now and is that also more so because like you said uh you prefer the projects with with the uh you know exclusively produced by one guy versus yeah yeah gotcha so what was the um what was the draco joint about um and that, that's one of the interesting aspects of music right now is like not everything has to be on an album you know albums can be five songs they can be four it, it's kind of all over the place right now but 
uh, did Draco take off for you in any kind of way? It's kind of this one-off yeah. record. Yeah, so I mean, if you haven't heard of this album, it's called Organized Grind by Conway the Machine. Okay. Yeah, check that album out. It's it was executive produced by and put out by Traumatic uh, Premium Goods. It's a great Conway album, probably one of my favorite Conway albums uh, of all time. So it's like definitely check that out. I got two beats on that uh, amongst like a, a, a bunch of other great producers. Uh, but organized grind, you can find that on all streaming platforms. Check it out; like it's it's a classic album. When did it? When did that drop? I have no idea. Uh, about a year ago, okay. like maybe maybe a little more than a year ago. Okay, okay. Um, so now with Lord Mob, and, and listen, this is kind of maybe devil in the detail type stuff. But is is it still loyalty or death, or is that kind of? Nah, so we cut the death off the name. Like, you know, we, we didn't want death, like, associated with the brand, so we basically cut that off. Smart, smart, smart thinking. <laughs> um, I did mean to, mean to ask, well, so what was, the, like, the sample ratio or, or the ratio between sample material and um, original music on, on both of those projects, on uh, Pray for the Evil 1 and 2? Oh, man, I think... I think both of those were samples. Like most of the, the majority of those were all samples. Um, now the stuff that I did on the Lord mob compilation, those were both sample free. Okay. Um, and a few tracks I did on no, hum, no more humble fashion or sample free too. Okay. And then regressions, obviously a lot of stuff on there is sample free too. Now, was it, uh, you know, was it intentional or did it just end up that way? Trying to, you know, maybe have some cohesion in the sound of Pray For Two. But was it, a, uh, was it intentional to be more soulful on that one? Yeah, I was specifically going for like the most soulful stuff that I could find. <laughs> yeah, because that one so. kind of, from the first one, that kind of caught me off guard with how everything kind of seemed so 70s. In late sixties, and uh, that's really when I was like, "Damn, this is me, fucks too." This, so yeah, that 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 was dope, man. I, like I said, I and you actually uh, commented on my review because I, I I told you uh, I, <laughs> you made a comment on on my review of uh, part two, and I and I came back and once I realized it was you, I said um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I had the uh, I had the wrong album cover in my video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. And I, I went to go do a screenshot in my phone, set it down, and anyway, like I just came back and got the wrong uh, album cover, but that was my yeah, bad. Yeah, no worries, no worries, man. It's all good. I couldn't go back and recapture the energy though, you know, to do a second <laughs> a second review to try to get it correct. So I just left it. Yeah, no worries. So uh moving on to the you know, the next wave of kind of lore mob uh, artists, and I haven't fully listened to the uh the new compilation i think that's been out what two weeks now or so yeah yep yeah i haven't had a chance to fully dig into that one and unpack it just yet but i did want to touch on um you know kind of how do you look at um handling the 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 launch of like uh an artist like g4 jag with you guys having progression and then the regressions albums album um, I mean, so what, what do you mean? Like, how's the process or like, I just mean, like, how do you feel? Um, it, like you said, you're kind of, uh, taking on crafting the sound of Lord mob. And then you have a new artist, a newer artist 
and you're handling all of his production and whatnot. Just kind of what's the uh, what's been the, the the goal with making those two albums? Just uh, exercise, man, to keep to keep uh, to keep spry, man, to make sure that I'm on top of my game when it comes to production. Like you know, that's that's the goal. Like it's just to make the best music that I can make for that particular voice. So that's 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 really the goal, man. That's that's all there is to it. Now, and progression only had what the four or five. Yeah, yeah, that only had like four, four or five tracks, and um, then uh, regressions was thirteen, I think, I believe. Right, right. So what's what's been um just kind of like we see the pray for pray for the evil one and two, what you guys are doing over there, and what you're doing sonically there. Uh, you just mentioned uh, G Four Jag has this really unique voice. Um, kind of what's the, the thought process in trying to, to showcase his voice and uh, kind of his content, which is, you know, significantly different from uh, from Fleet. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot more work goes into low end uh, because he's got such a deep voice. Like, you know, you got to take extra care on the beat to make sure that the bass line's not competing with his vocals because he sits so on the low end. Um yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. I mean it's just you know taking the voice as an instrument and taking it into consideration and, and making sure that the beat fits the artist. It's interesting that you said that because um, I would have thought I wouldn't have really gotten into his projects because because of his voice and 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 it it just seems like it's difficult for the guys with the huskier and deeper voices and whatnot. Yeah, but uh, I am able to like really clearly hear everything that he's saying, and I think with some of the guys with deeper voices back previously, it felt like there was a the the music overtook the voice at times and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, like for example, for G four, like we had to buy a special microphone specifically for his voice. That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. So um. But how was it, um, you know, working with the guy? Uh, like I said, he's kind of more, uh, and I think he's even referenced it at times, like coming off the bench. Uh, he did some chorus stuff here and there and then gradually stepping forward, you know, and then gradually working himself into like, a, you know, an album with 13 tracks on it. What's it yeah. been like observing that growth process for him? Amazing. I mean, it's been phenomenal. Like, you know, I think the music that me and G4 make together continues to get better and better and better. Um and I think every time we do an album, we're going to, you know, be looking at it and be looking to one up the albums previously. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much the vibe. And what's like the pregame on these albums? Because he kind of um, it's like a really mature sound and it, it, it's um, it's it's a little jazz in there. It's uh, it's it's just kind of this different vibe from everything that's out there, and even his subject matter is kind of family related and introspective. Uh, we don't we don't get a lot of that nowadays, but that's kind of what's becoming signature for him in a way for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my my golden years of hip hop are the nineties. Right. And like, that's back when like, you know, and also like, like I said before, I'm a huge like guru fan. So, you know, I love conscious rap. I love like knowledge itself. Like I love all that positive energy that comes from hip hop. Um, and sometimes you need it, right? Like regressions is, is a complete opposite flip of progression, but you know, 
you still got to tell a story, right? You still have to have emotion in it. Like, you know, a lot of the songs in Regression, Regressions is emotional. They're very emotional tracks. Um, it wasn't intentional. It just basically just, it just, just organically grew that way. Right. That's dope. That's dope. So, um, I'm going to get ready to stop this live stream in here in a second. Then maybe, like you said, we can sample or get into some of the other stuff that you haven't uh, released just yet. Um, yeah, of course. But just moving forward, you know, maybe what's uh, what's on the calendar for the for the rest of 2021 uh, uh, for Lord Mob, uh, you know, as a uh, as a unit. So, well, we got um, we got the compilation, which is out. We've got artists. We've got eight artists that are signed to Lord Mob, and those eight artists are all going to be releasing albums this year. Um, so I'm focused heavily on you know getting those albums produced and out the door. One that I'm working on specifically right now is with Zaza God. Um, definitely should check him out if you haven't heard of, of Zaza God. Um, Only Right was a track that me and him did for the compilation. Um, but I've got a crazy album with him that's coming up, but co-produced with uh, Sound Lord and myself. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's some new stuff on the on the radar for sure that's coming up soon. And then the you said the the trilogy for Pray for the trilogy. The, yep, the trilogy will be this year. So any time line for that no, one? No date yet. No date yet. But like the features are going to be crazy. I can tell you that got you um you said uh merch is gonna be involved or is in, in the works what's going on with that yeah so we got lord mob hats these hats you hat you see me wearing we're gonna start selling these we're gonna start selling some hoodies some lord mob hoodies all from the lordmob.com website you know you can log on there and you can buy basically our cds right now all of our merch uh, we're gonna have vinyls for pray for the evil one and two available very soon um so yeah just keep an eye out on lordmob.com and you know always check for new shit because like we put new stuff up all the time now do you think what well, i mean being on your side of it how do you feel like and being one of the uh the people that's kind of pushing it but i was talking to a, a um kind of a hip-hop journalist guy uh last episode and um, you know, I was mentioning that the, this resurgence on the the New York sound of the, the the East Coast sound has been crazy to watch, and all the major labels have kind of been on the sidelines for most of it. Um, that's just previously they led the way in all of that, but now it's like um, you know, with Trust, Griselda, uh, Lower Mob is kind of taking form now. How do you feel just what you guys are getting accomplished? Uh, is it just organically happening or is a lot of strategizing going into this? How y'all, how y'all pulling this stuff off? I would say both. Like there's a lot of strategy involved. That's for sure. And like a lot of that comes from Flea, you know, like Flea's got a vision for where he wants Lord Mob to be and what he wants Lord Mob to, to look like and how we want to represent Lord Mob. Like, it's, it's a lot of strategic you know strategies involved but also it's, it's organic too it's an organic movement like you know we're trying to start a movement we're trying to start a place where artists can go to to have a platform and you know to blow up and hopefully we can make that happen for for the artists we have signed 
Do you think you guys are on the cusp? Like I said, Trust did a lot of good stuff, a lot of great stuff in 2020. Griselda has been cooking over the last two or three years. Do you think Lord yep. Mob is kind of on the cusp of maybe becoming the next brand um, that's kind of on that same level, has that kind of same footprint in the game? I mean, I definitely feel so. Uh, I'm biased, definitely. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I believe so. I believe that we've got really good talent. Like, the artists that we have signed to the record label are phenomenal. Uh, we're putting out amazing music. We're, we're bettering the production every single day of what we produce and what we put out. Like, give us a year. You'll see. You'll see. Like, give us a year. Like, we'll, we'll grow phenomenally. Like, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be a wonder. It's going to be definitely interesting to see. And then last question on this portion of it, like I said, we can go and do that other stuff. Uh, however, we need to work that out. But um, yeah. as a company, you know, or, or as a label, is that one thing that's kind of hindering you guys is the fact that uh, no touring. I, I heard some a comment from um, Conway on one of the, or maybe it was just an interview I watched, but uh, Flea Lord attracted a lot of attention and, and garnered a lot of attention from, from fans just from being on tour with those guys yeah. um, right now that's all been shut down for the last year plus and whatnot. so is that something that's kind of looming over what you guys would like to be doing because there's no touring I mean there's a lot of cool stuff that we have in the works that we're thinking about doing like you know virtual concerts and things like that but like um, no, nah, not really I mean we're just focused on physical goods, collectible goods. Um, you know, we're fi- focused on the physical merchandise. Um, obviously, when touring opens back up, we're going to have a huge, you know, Lord Mob tour. Um, you know, we're going to basically hit up the East Coast and probably the West Coast and do a whole Lord Mob uh, concert um, for sure. Uh, no question about that. So it's it's something we can't wait to do like you know we can't wait to get out there and start touring again so and you would be aware you know how are you guys doing uh nationally uh i know some of the other regions have over the last 10 or 15 years you know the west has done well the south has done well the southwest has done well uh is this 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 resurgence of the new york sound is it branching out and having success nationally and internationally definitely definitely no question yeah there's no question on that gotcha gotcha all right i'm gonna stop this and like i said i'm gonna stop this live stream and we can kind of figure out how to do the rest of it i just want to get off of here and uh we'll, we'll knock that out appreciate you you mind playing that first one back a little bit yeah yeah of course And what is this a uh, snippet of? Just a random beat. Okay. Yeah, it was something in there. Uh, it was one part. I don't know what it, what it, what sound it was, but it came through like a like a GI Joe uh, laser beam or something. I know it wasn't supposed to sound like that. Let's try again. Okay. Keep on walking. 
little bit of that. <laughs> That's dope. And then uh, I got another track that you'd probably be interested in, a track with Ito that I produced. Is that something that you had to uh, work on or develop? Is like your per- percussion or drum tracks? Is, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, this is a sample free beat right here. Okay. Yeah. Um. Me fucks. Peace. Oh. They know what we doing. for the evil two was like it got into some of the double time flow a little bit or you know kind of that bouncy stuff but it was still really new york and um i just thought it was great for uh for flea lord to kind of uh just get into a different vibe i guess away from his and, and he has this normal uh like flow that he's in but it seems like when you guys get together, he gets away from that more often and kind of changes up his flow a little, a lot more. And I think it, it's also good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I mean, he's mad versatile. So it's like, you know, it just is what it is. But it seems like your stuff forces him to lean into that versatility more so than <laughs> when he's away from you. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. We just, we got good chemistry, man. We just, we just make good shit. Like, Less at least that's the that's the the goal at least right. Yeah, that was fire, man. I I appreciate that. And I'm you know Edo was another guy that I wasn't aware of until uh, 2020. Oh man, Ito Ito's got like the soul of someone that's like five thousand years old, right? Like, you know, got like wisdom, fucking just like pouring out of him, man. Like <laughs> right. I, on one of my reviews of one of his projects, I was like, man, he just reminds me of that old school cat at the, in the, in the bar or the, you know, club. <laughs> and he just sits over in the corner with like a cigarette, you know, and just could tell you a million different stories. Yeah. Ito, Ito's cool. Is a cool cat, man. Like for real, for real, a genuine, super genuine person. Now you guys have met in person. Yeah. Before? Yeah, of course. Okay. I know, uh, I think he was talking about uh when I talked to Craven, him and Ito hadn't they hadn't met in person, and then this yeah. this superior guy, uh, I know they hadn't met either him and Ito, uh, so 
and I don't yeah, and Craven and um, Ransom I don't think have even met in person before. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting how you know cats were getting stuff done without having ever even met one another. It's the beautiful age of the internet, man. Right, right. And like like I said, uh, all in all, man, I just um, you know, I was kind of disenchanted with with hip hop. Uh, and uh, in 2020, I just sat around and listened to a bunch of stuff that was like once you tapped into one, you know, it was another five guys, and then it was another ten guys, and it was like, damn, where are all these guys coming from? And um, and then a whole new, you know, slew of new producers, different sounds, and and um, I was like, damn, man. I mean, it just seemed like overnight. And I I, I hear people talking about Rock Marciano's sound kind of fathered all of this stuff. Yeah. In, in a way. So I just thought it was awesome, man. And I'm, I'm like you, you know, I'm huge nineties fan. And, um, a lot of this stuff goes back to that 90s sound, but it's, it's weird. To, or it's dope to hear it recorded on all of this new equipment. And, and like you just said, we're talking about that isotope project. Um, I watched a video on the remaking of, um, a cat remade. They reminisce over you. And he yeah. was like, you know, you guys really might not know how much Pete Rock did to get that song to sound the way that it did with the equipment that he had at the time. But he was he was like, it was just meticulous stuff. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, that's cool, man. I, I, like I said, I appreciate your time, man. Um, I, I saw you and Marquis uh, talk. And I was like, yeah. well, you know, I might be able to reach out to him. I, like I said, I was trying to get my equipment together because, um, you know, I'd hate to get a, you know, somebody's time and get an interview. It, the Wi-Fi didn't mess up a whole lot as we were live streaming, so I was pleased with that. So, but yeah, man, I, I'm going to get on out of here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, try to edit this together because I want to put that uh, the podcast out tomorrow. Again, like I said, I really prefer the podcast, but, uh, you know, it's easier for everybody to find stuff on, on YouTube. So I like to throw it over there too. Um, yeah, sure. but again, man, like I said, I, I wish you guys the best, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a tune in and, um, looking, for, I, I might even be jumping on some of that vinyl. I've been kicking it around and digging my turntables out and at least being able to, uh, listen to some of the different. And plus I like the, uh, you know, I like some of the different, designs with the with the, the albums yeah, and some of the collectibles man exactly exactly so I, I think i'm looking forward to getting involved in that 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 type of uh merchandise so nice but other than that man i'll uh i just keep an eye on what you guys got going on man and um i had listened to the uh some of the the uh the lord mob compilation um I just really hadn't taken it to the lab. And then I know when Larissa, me and her got to talking, I really wanted to go back and listen to the older stuff. Cause I, I you know, that's I had some questions on that. So, um, I didn't really get a whole lot into, uh, the compilation just yet, but yeah, no worries. We can always talk again. Thank you. Thank you. So look, a um, couple things before I get on out of here. Hopefully you enjoyed the, uh, you know, the, the discussion with uh, 
with me fucks uh, i'm be honest man i was i was troubleshooting some things i don't know if, if i caught all of that on this and in, in, in what i recorded for the interview i don't even know if i really introduced me fucks properly uh because i was i was kind of um distraught a little bit i was trying to uh troubleshoot making my uh macbook capable of using um, ethernet i didn't realize that the damn thing didn't have an ethernet port on the machine so i went and bought i was trying to solve the problem that i've been having on youtube uh with with trying to live stream on youtube and being on wi-fi and my interviews getting messed up so out of respect for my guests and, and respect for my content and, and my presentation um i was like i gotta be able to get my computer you know my macbook on to uh ethernet to avoid signal issues and signal strength and uh how and i knew i was talking to him at three o'clock today so at one one o'clock maybe even after one i run to uh whatever i got locally i don't know if it's office depot or staples but i go in there and i get this adapter usb into my machine and then the ethernet from the wall into the adapter and don't you know that this shit doesn't even work? You gotta be a cold, you gotta be a coder to go in here and make <laughs> the OS or, or, or the MacBook recognize this shit is plugged into it. So I had to do another video without uh, another live stream without being confident in my uh, Wi-Fi signal and the quality of my interview. And I was very pissed off and it kind of leaked over into you know my interview with uh with me fucks um so I, like i said as i was starting to record it uh i was very scatterbrained in what i was trying to do um it's a lot of buttons and shit i'm monitoring and whatever whatever and i thought i could check one off with getting this 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 ethernet adapter and that shit didn't even work Luckily, the video, there weren't too many hiccups with the Wi-Fi in, in actuality and talking to me fucks. So most of the audio should be OK. I told you this before, like the first episode of season three should have been with my with my partner, who is now a pastor who wrote his book. Um, I'm still kind of reluctant to even put that episode on. It's always personal because of the audio from that live stream. Uh, so anyway, like I said, it kind of affected me getting into my interview today. And, and I, you know, I'll be honest, it, it wasn't one of my better conducted interviews uh, because of my frustration with. Who um, puts out a machine in the shit? You can't plug Ethernet into it. I'm, bu I'm really bugging on that. Also noticed a couple of. A couple, a few weeks ago, I did this, I did this big, big sir update on my machine, and all of a sudden the um, the um, what is this shit called? The external hard drive that I save files onto. After I did this update. The shit wouldn't recognize that anymore. So I had to order or go out and buy a, a second external hard drive uh, because this shit wouldn't recognize my old one and I would have had to format it in order, which defeats the whole purpose, 
but I couldn't figure this shit out. I did all this shit and changed this shit and entered this shit and copied and pasted this and blah, blah, blah. And it wouldn't freaking recognize my, you know, the one that I, I, I had been using. So Apple, you know, it's my first experience with, 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 with Mac and, or MacBooks, And, um, this shit right here with this, with this, uh, adapter is, was very disheartening. And then like Apple doesn't sell it as far as I know. They don't sell their own. Maybe I got to check on Amazon. Like does Apple have a Ethernet adapter? With the, what does it need? Lightning or some shit? I don't know, man. This, this shit is frustrating. Anyway, please, if if you um if you rock with the show, if you rock with the show, if you respected the uh, you know, if you dug the interview, um notice me out here trying to get bigger guests and 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 and, and level up what I'm trying to do. If you if you acknowledge any of that, recognize any of that, can you please rate the show wherever you listen to it? Rate the podcast, uh, leave a review. A short review, something positive or constructive. I'd appreciate it three thousand percent. I'd even, you know, recognize you here on the show, on, on you know, on an episode. Uh, if you know anybody who, uh, you know, likes any of the likes what you like, I'd appreciate if you could share the, uh, you know, share the episode, share the link. You know, don't keep it a secret. If it's adding any value to your life. Um, what else? What else? What else? Hey, I, I you know, and I, I don't really want to apologize, but I, I don't want to be seen as, as being all into, you know, all into some politics and, and all political and all that stuff. I just care about, I just care about the world that I live in. And, uh, some of the shit that I see going on right now is, uh, is disturbing, you know? Um, so it, it, this really isn't about right, left. Republicans, Democrats, none of that shit. Again, looking at this shit from a real people level. What is what is this this shit? This shit is literally starting to become more dangerous than like Crips and Bloods. This this Republican Democrat shit that I see. Some of the comments about about the, the two sides towards the other side. It, it, it's it's on some it, who cares about this shit on that level really anyway man it's making this episode longer than what it has to be uh please rate and leave a review for the show especially on apple uh you know on apple podcast or itunes if, if you if you listening through uh you know an apple product please take the time to do that if you want to contact me, you can do so by emailing me at pay me no mind show or just pay me no mind show at gmail.com. Comments, criticism, praise, love, hate, uh, suggestions, whatever, whatever. I, I, I'd, I'd appreciate all of it. I get some texts here and there, you know, from people I know who come back and give me some feedback. I appreciate that uh, more than you would ever know more than you would ever know I think that might be about it let me let me uh get on out of here uh, just making sure that I kind of cover everything um yeah I mean if you want to check out uh other content that I do you can check me out on um YouTube 
pay me no mind. Also, man, uh, arresting power to uh, I keep even though I talk a lot of boxing on my YouTube channel, I have I have not been able to remember to uh, just share, you know, just to say publicly goodbye to uh, you know, rest well to former uh, middleweight champion Marvelous Marvin Hagler, who passed away uh, in the last week week and a half might have been last weekend i think it was last saturday on the uh the 13th i believe it was it's very uh you know some of the different black people who have passed away recently uh these have been iconic names um and and and, and you know there's uh with, with with the whole vaccination situation that's what the immediate concern comes from when you factor in that uh, Hank Aaron, you know, received a vaccination a week or so or something before he passed away. And prior to that, we didn't, none of us knew that he was experiencing any kind of health problems. And then shortly after that, you know, the man suddenly passes away. Um, there was a talk, there was talk out there that Hagler uh, had recently received a vaccination his wife came out and said that that was not the case uh I, I don't even want to speculate on none of that i just saw the discussions and i was like here we go with social media trying to again people with no kind of responsibility uh no verification of anything no way to validate anything or confirm anything just run out here and say shit Anyway, uh, I did want to, you know, kind of pay my respects to uh, to Hagler, express my condolences to his widow. There was something else that happened this week um, or that I hadn't addressed lately. I, I forget what it was. Let me get on out of here, man. Uh, continue to be safe. Try to do the right thing. Um... Uh, Find a way to get along with folks out here, man. This shit is rough. Last note, seriously. Check out a movie called Equili Equilibrium. I've mentioned it before. I don't know if it came out in the, in the arts. I think it... Excuse me. It's coffee. I think it was back in the arts. I've mentioned it before, but uh, it had Christian Bale before he became a big deal. And uh, Tay Diggs weird Tay Diggs popping up in a, in a sci-fi movie but this movie might have been prophetic 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 and uh talking about how you know music media entertainment movies poetry dance like we might have to eliminate all of this shit to be able to live with one another in the next five years the next 10 years I mean that's that's how this shit is kind of going. So with that said, man, let me get on off of here. Peace. Take care until next time. I'm out.